Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Inna and welcome to Talk Water. On today's podcast, we've all heard of superheroes and super creatures, but what about superbugs? And what challenges does it pose for the future of medicine? Also, what's happening at this year's WEFTEC conference in Chicago? And what are the top papers to look out for in the upcoming event? But first, the world has recently witnessed the loss of the first Icelandic glacier to climate change. Emotions run high as an official memorial ceremony is being planned in Iceland. As our climate emergency deepens, as the once great Arctic ice capes melt, we're left to put plaques in their place. And why not? They are a tribute to our lost world and preserve a reminder of the power we hold. Scientists say we're losing more than 369 billion tonnes of snow and ice each year at five times faster the rate now than in the 1960s. Glaciers react with a certain delay, so even if we'd stop emissions now, glaciers would continue to lose miles over the next 10, 15, 30 years. So what better way to mourn the loss of this passing, as well as the losses to come, than to write a letter to the future, our future. A letter to acknowledge that we know what's happening and what needs to be done. But if melting ice caps and rising sea levels isn't enough, Today's story is a staple of science fiction and every doomsday prepper's dread. Just when you thought the latest addition to Marvel's Avengers franchise was too good to be outdone, nature has dropped a massive curveball. We've all heard of superheroes and super creatures in blockbuster movies, but what about superbugs? Right now, bacteria are evolving faster than we can keep up with them. And while we have a variety of drugs to fight them, the bacteria are getting stronger and the drugs are getting less effective. So, what is a superbug? A superbug is a term that scientists coined to describe bacteria that are resistant to antibiotic treatment. And with the emergence of this superbug bacteria, deaths from seemingly trivial infections are set to rise. And this matters to us. This should matter to us, as the water sector is an important vector. These bacteria get flushed down the sewage system and enter the water cycle. For the 2.1 billion people living without access to safe water, contaminated water supplies are a perfect pathway for infection. But we are seeing the industry push back. Last year, we saw the European Commission present its proposal for a new drinking water treatment directive for Europe. And with time, we can expect other regions to follow suit. On today's episode, I'm joined by Anna Dilmida, one of the few researchers in this area doing her Marie Curie Fellowship at the Catalan Institute of Water Research in Spain. Anna is working with two lead virologists, scientists, Jose Luis Balcazar and Carlos Borrego. She's also under industry supervisor, Paula Callahan. Anna, welcome and thank you for joining us. Hello, Divya. Thanks for the very nice introduction. Thanks, everybody, for <laughs> listening. This talk about superbugs is something we're starting to hear about more and more. From the remote high Arctic in Norway to drinking water supplies in India to even being found in the beaks of seagulls in Australia. These drug-resistant superbugs are spreading and they're everywhere. What do you think? Are we approaching an era where these bugs will become so prevalent that antibiotics will stop working? So, yes, it's, it's quite a hot topic. And uh, let's, let's try to look at some facts. So, since we introduced mass production of antibiotics in, in the environment, so penicillin and other natural antimicrobials, we have been selecting bacteria to resist them too. Mm-hmm. And this is an equation, right, that uh, at the end loses its modern medicine. And we have a few problems now. They are very well acknowledged, like the lack of sufficient investment on the antibiotics. We are overusing antibiotics 
in you know for animal husbandry in infection sometimes we use antibiotics to try to treat wrongly viral infections for example we should stop doing that and the problem is bacteria they are fast evolving mm -hmm. and uh, basically they acquire resistance very quick so the who and the world health organization has warned everybody mm -hmm. for what we call the post-antibiotic era which is a time when antibiotics no longer work and mm -hmm. this could happen and we might um, need to change the way we do operations because basically we won't be able to treat infections as we can today. In some cases it's already happening, so depending on the situation, depending on the hospital, doctors are struggling to treat infections, so we really need to keep a, an eye on how things are evolving there, Divya. And from what it seems, it's still early days. We've just scratched the surface in terms of understanding the what, the why and the how. For instance, we know the bacteria are versatile and fast evolving. We also know the cause is all reviews of antibiotics. We think the wastewater treatment plants are incubation beds for the transfer of antibiotic resistant genes. And we know the impacts can affect the lives of millions. But of course, there's a lot that we don't know. So give us a sense for what we don't yet know. So in the area of antibiotic resistance, um, there are in, in fact things we don't know yet, especially in the environment, especially in the water. And we know a lot about what's happening in the clinical settings, but we don't know so much in what's happening in the water in the environment. And this is very relevant for the water industry. So let's uh, just looking at how bacteria acquire uh, resistance and how they pass that resistance to other bacteria, to other microorganisms. And that's where I found really interesting. That's where our research is and the connection with Blutec. So basically, when, when a bacteria doesn't die after being treat, treated with an antibiotic, it will pass the genes for the, for the next generation. And this is, we know. Now, what they do as well, Divya, is that they, they change and they exchange genes between, between the, themselves between each other, and sometimes even they count with the help with, uh, of viruses that can acquire genes, antibiotic-resistant genes from the environment, from the water, from the soil, and introduce that genetic material there in, in the bacteria uh, genomes, and the, the genetic material they have, and they acquire the resistance. Now, this is like, uh, how, how could they do that? It's actually happening. And there is a lot of evidence from the literature, the recent uh, literature saying that these viruses called bacteriophages mm -hmm. are very important in spreading that resistance in bacteria. I'm fascinated by bacteriophages and, you know, we've done some work at Bluetech looking at next generation biotechnology and bacteriophages for those who aren't familiar with the term, are really cool looking little drones or almost like little robot things that come from a huge family of phages or bacterial viruses that attack forms of bacteria and lice or kill by bursting them. They're super cool. They do, they, they, do, they look like they're, I don't know, those, um, they, they have these long legs and look like spiders and they just attaching the bacteria and insert the genetic material inside the bacteria. It's a bit, yeah, it's crazy science. And can you tell us about the research and the work that you're doing with Bluetech? So this work, uh, so the, the project uh, I'm working on is called Envirosome. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's funded by the European Commission under the Horizon 2020 uh, Mars Waldowska Korea Actions, as you mentioned before. And this is really so the, the project was awarded in 2017, and out of all the researchers that applied, only 15% got the funding. And now, why I'm saying that? Wow. Because the, the topic of the project, which is antimicrobial resistance, is really under the the focus of the European Commission. So, and the connection with Bluetech is important on that. So the work we do with Bluetech is learning from industries. I'm learning the insights from industry that I need to apply on my research mm-hmm. so that we don't do research that's only relevant for academia. We're actually doing something that can be relevant for industry. And um, I could even mention a few of the things, a few of the insights we produced recently um, I looked at the companies across uh, the, the globe that are already targeting uh, removal of antimicrobial resistance with different uh, disinfection technologies, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a number of, um, of companies that are doing that in Denmark. So we have BioBooster, they, uh, they are using ceramic membranes and ozonation. We have a very good uh, work with Amy Pruden in the USA. They are also looking at removing uh, antimicrobial resistance genes and bacteria from wastewater using different technologies. But this is very new, so we are only really starting to to focus on antimicrobial resistance media. And basically nobody is actually looking at the, the bacteriophages, nobody is looking at eliminating them, and this is where we are uh, working on, getting the insights from Lutec, using the academic research to try and find new new ways to eliminate uh, those those viruses and the bacteria associated with them. And just to, to mention one more pos- positive news, because I think we need when it, when it comes to antimicrobial resistance, uh, <laughs> Divya. So we have a collaborator in ICRA, which is one of the most important researchers globally on electrochemical treatments for wastewater. Her name is uh, Jelena Hajnovic, and she's also she's helping us with uh, developing new disinfection methods to focus on the, the bacteriophages and the bacteria uh, elimination. So I think we have a lot of uh, a good team and um, it's, it's really promising. She has a ERC grant, which is, again, a very good funding from Europe. It's, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic team that's uh, looking at um, this, this problem here. From an EU director perspective, it's certainly great to see regulations driving this forward. And certainly, as you say, a great team of scientists working, working on this area. In terms of next steps, then, where do you see the research heading? Okay, so we're going to look at these funny guys, the bacteriophages, and see what they're carrying, how much genes they're carrying, the antibiotic resistant genes. When we find something that's really significant, we're going to start disinfecting then uh, using these new methods that Jelena is developing right. uh, with her group. So it's again, always connected with Bluetech. So it's a really exciting time for us. Excellent. Thank you very much, Anna. Very interesting space for us to watch. Thank you very much for your time. And we will continue to work together and spread and share the knowledge. Of course. And thanks for listening, guys. All the best. Thanks, Anna. On to our next piece with Rhys Owen, our Editor-in-Chief, with the latest updates from Bluetech Research. Rhys, welcome and thank you for joining us. I hear today is the hottest recorded day in the UK. How are you surviving the heatwave? Hi, Divya. Yeah, it's a hot and sticky one here. It's going to be the hottest night in recorded history here in Oxford, apparently. So, yeah, something to look forward to. I know, the temperatures are way above even what we have back home in India. 37 degrees, I think, is the average for this week. Yes. 
strange times indeed. Although we are in July, but yes, it's, we're not used to the heat. <laughs> All right, Reese, tell us what are Bluetech looking at for this month? Well, the heat hasn't slowed us down too much. We're, uh, in fact, we're publishing this month our annual top 100 papers to look out for at the upcoming West Tech event in Chicago. That's happening in the week of Monday, September 23rd. We've looked at all 497 abstracts for papers to be given at the show and filtered them down to come up with our top 100 overall. And within that, we've picked out the top 10 papers from utilities, top 10 papers from companies and from uh, universities, so top 10 academic papers. Mm -hmm. And the reason we do that is because the topics covered on reveal interesting trends about what the industry is talking about and where the research is happening and what the conversations are leading to within water and water technology, especially with such a big sample set. And comparing with last year, for example, we saw an increase in papers relating to industrial water reuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a lot of diverse and interesting case studies on offer this year from car manufacturing to brewing and food and beverage and pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I think the interest in what's happening in the corporate world has really been picking up. I mean, we're seeing an increasing number of industry projects relating to water, addressing the challenges of climate change, water scarcity and pollution. And we're sharing these stories as part of our Lighthouse Projects Watch, sharing insights into the future trends and interesting practices that will shape the future of our water industry. But when you mentioned water reuse, um, we're also working on a water industrial water reuse report, Reese. that's going to look at um, segments like brewing and pharmaceuticals, as you mentioned. Exactly, that's right. Uh, and of course, that's one reason we're interested in them too. But it's something we are... It's going to be uh, more and more prominent, more of an issue for every industry, not just your typical water-hungry uh, industry such as pulp and paper. Um, more location-dependent. Uh, any manufacturer within a water-stressed region will need to look to reuse in the future. So we're providing thought leadership and looking at case studies on how that actually works. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, uh, of course, an area at West Tech. Um, we also... Last year, noticed a trend for papers on paracetic acid or PAAs as a disinfectant. Um, there were one or two that we picked out. Uh, now this year, uh, they're mentioned in several papers on disinfection, and there's also a dedicated PAAs session. So you can see the direction of travel there and how themes develop from one year to another. Interesting. Um, we don't have time to go into all the trends, but uh, yeah, that does give you a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. So look out for that. And just to get away from conferences for a second, we have a new blueprint which gives an overview of electrocoagulation technology. Uh, now this is in advance of a detailed horizon scan by TAG expert Mike Nickley. He's going to be drilling down into the technical differentiators between various company offerings at different commercial stages uh, and that's going to be published in October. Mm -hmm. uh, this month's issue we've got our usual roundup of industry news, patent analysis, and uh, you mentioned our Lighthouse project feature uh, that was launched last month. This time we're looking at a true Vancouver's partnership with Genesee Water, convert biosolids to biocrude oil and methane gas using a, an innovative uh, strand of hydrothermal processing. Mm -hmm. And we're also going across the world to Melbourne, Australia, where Southeast Water is helping develop houses, housing schemes, which... Uh, combine water reuse in the house and rainwater capture, amongst other things, to lead to uh, water households which use 70% less water. 
Uh, so that's quite an interesting achievement. Wow, that's very interesting. That's similar to uh, um, the initiative that Procter & Gamble have, have also launched, which is the 50-litre water home project, which is very similar and very um, looking at sort of reusing water within a home as well. Um, Indeed, yeah. So it's all pointing to reuse, water conservation as a, a theme. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And what's cooking for next month then, Reese? Uh, well, coming up, we've got an update of our ultra pure water insight report uh, dealing with the semiconductor industry. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an interesting one because with the need for ever smaller and denser computer chips, the quality of water needed is is getting stringent to the point of needing to remove nanoscale particles uh, smaller and smaller and that leads to some very interesting challenges. And presumably this is due to the growth in smart water technologies so could this be seen in some way as a side effect of the rise of digital water? Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, the, uh, the driver for this is the enormous growth in demand for semiconductors because of yeah, as I say, the sheer number of connected appliances uh, so not only smartphones, but self-driving cars, cloud computing, AI, high-density data storage. Um, so digital water technology plays into all that. That's a, that's a part of the demand for semiconductors, and that's the other side of it, if you like. Um, so tag expert Slava Lieben will be explaining what all this means for the water treatment industry and technologies of that industry. So that's one to look out for next month. Excellent. And that webinar on Ultra Pure Water is taking place on the 15th of August. And by the time our audience listened to this podcast, you would have just finished the Sanitation Economy webinar as well, which should be available on our platform um, at this stage also. So uh, those are the two webinars that we have uh, would have just completed and uh, would be hosting um, in the next couple of days. So excellent. Looks like there's a lot going on. Uh, it has, certainly hasn't slowed down in the summer at all. Um, and we look forward to catching up with you next month again. Okay, thanks, David. Thanks very much, Rhys. With that, I'd like to wrap this month's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next month with more content. Until then, stay tuned.